Hello, everybody. Kyle here, and you're listening to Stellaris Emergency Broadcast. I am joined here by my co-host, Stark. How are you today? Mostly lifelike. Mostly. That's good. Um, We are actually experimenting with something today, and we would like to invite you all to be part of it. We are trying to move our community onto the platform Gilded. So if you type in gilded.gg forward slash rpn, like Revelator Podcast Network, you can join us. It's like a Discord clone, but much, much cooler. So I'm just putting out out of the top that Stark and I are recording it through that today. If anything is weird with the audio, we'll chalk it up to this. But uh, we're going to hit this episode off by covering Stellaris Dev Diary 205, titled Announcing the 3.0 Dick Update. I love it when a dick gets an update. Uh, Something like that. Don't know exactly how that works. Stark, are you looking forward to this? Because this is a good post. Yeah, actually, I am. This well, the update or the post? It's well, both. Like I, the, the update's really exciting. I, I would say both, because what this one's looking at, they're, they're, they're talking right off the bat about uh, what's going on with the, the name, uh, why it's becoming 3.0. Um, before we get into that, though, I, I do want to shout out a huge thank you to everyone that's becoming a subscriber over on the website. So go check it out if you have not already. Super duper simple, revelatornetwork.com. And I got an email set up for it. So anytime you need to get in touch, Kyle at revelatornetwork.com. Com. So when you guys are sending stuff in, Kyle at RevelatorNetwork.com, that will hit me easily. There's also contact up on the website. And uh, I think the last thing before we dive right in, we'll be talking about these amazing reviews that we got up on iTunes. So huge shout out to Anubis who left us a really, really glowing review. Um, someone else gave us a five-star review that just said, yes. And to you, I say, Yes. I like that. So thank you for the five uh, star reviews over there. That's amazing. I'd like to highlight those on the website. So drop a couple more in there, folks, if you'd like. Uh, There's another website out there if you're not an Apple user called Podchaser. That one also has all of our stuff listed listed on it. So you can go in there, uh, add all of our shows. we got five. So give us some good reviews. But on to Stellaris for now. So 3.0 Stark. They're changing. They're giving it a whole new number. Uh, mainly because this is such a jam-packed update, which I think was what you were getting to a second ago with the blurry separation lines, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think also some of this is just because of the entire rework with uh, with First Contact and with Pop Growth. I, I think that's part of why it's also going in. Like, there's a lot of back-end changes with this. I think so. I mean, look, okay, so here's, here's what we have in, in just this generic list. As a reminder... This is going to come out April 15th, so, so get yourselves ready. Uh, we're looking at a new Intel system coming to the game. That is going to be free as well. That Intel system applies to everyone with the 3.0 update. We got reworked first contact. We got reworked pop growth, new industrial districts, and changes to production of alloys and consumer goods. I hear that also might make it a little bit easier on the... Uh, the the automation in the game that the ai should know what to do with alloys a bit better we got the new espionage system and the gather intelligence operation and numerous bug fixes and improvements which we're going to break down each of those here in a little bit looking at this actually does explain something that we were speculating on i think in the last episode of the episode before where for some reason i was confused i was thinking that the intel system like the whole espionage system was going to be part of the nemesis update and i think some of that came from just that trailer that started it out where it was like oh yeah here's the first nemesis trailer and it it really looked like it was focusing on the espionage system 
And no, that's actually going to be base game for everybody, oh, which is a really nice. Yeah, that that's a good point. Because, right, we thought we were talking about was it a listening station or, you know, what that might be. Um, but I, I'm very excited. They say that this is going to be such a huge update uh, all around that it's, it's just it's going to make parts of it things that they have to give to everybody, which I say hallelujah. We also know the price of this now, right, Stark? It's about $20 on Steam. Yeah. And you can also, I think, pre-order it up on the Paradox website. So if you're interested, you can check that out, too. I'm not sure if it's made it to Humble Bundle yet. Ooh, that's a good question. Because if you are out there and you're looking to buy it and you want to use our Humble Bundle link, um, I ooh, I should go double check this before I say it out loud. But I know it's at the bottom of the website. I want to say it is like Humble Bundle Partner and then it's Revelator Network or Revelator Podcast Network. Use the link. Don't trust my word of mouth there. It is. Yeah, it is up for pre-order on Humble Bundle. Woohoo! Humble. Wow, Humble Bundle already. Then and I, yeah, twenty bucks as well. Twenty bucks. Okay, everybody. Then I will. Uh, I'll do. I'll do everyone a solid. I'll put the whole thing in the podcast description, so you can go like just buy it straight from there. It'll have the link directly to our um, account. That one goes to help out uh, Pitbull Rescues, which are, like, I freaking love. Louie, my dog, is one. So. Uh, it's given back to that and it gives back to the show. So if you buy a copy of the game, it chucks a couple bucks our way or something like that. So super duper helpful. And you're already going to spend it on Stellar. So, you know, you already know. Okay. Espionage update. Let's talk about it. This is the first big thing they've blown out in the, uh, the, the notes. So changes yep. have come through to espionage since the last dev diary. I, I don't think you and I even covered that on its own. We chose to not. gloss over espionage because we expected a change. It was already about a month or so old at the time. So we thought it was kind of cold. I think news. it was originally announced in like November or December. And then we started up and yeah. Oh yeah, even older. Mm -hmm. So now they say based on play testing and qualitative feedback, we simplified a few of the systems that seem to be adding unnecessary complexity or were difficult or awkward to understand and i say hallelujah to that quote because stark you know that was my number one concern with any game that adds espionage is it either tends to fall by the wayside to the point that we all forget it's in there or it gets overly complex to the point that you're like do i do i even want to bother or is it fun yeah. the general fear with espionage how, how do you kind of feel about that i think it's something that's complex okay so espionage as a thing as a concept is complicated enough and intricate enough and obtuse enough to justify its own entire game and i've seen a number of strategy games where when they try to bring it in it really should have been its own game or where it's just okay i'll assign a character to it and then forget about it and it just gradually ticks up uh, outside of that, I can think of a few cases. Uh, Empire at War is a good example where there's an espionage system, but it's very, very focused into a specific system. Because mm -hmm. that was, uh, if you're playing Rebels, espionage was the only way you could get tech research. You'd go in and you'd steal technology. And then that was, but that was the entire system. And yeah, yeah it's to get a sort of robust espionage system where you can kind of enjoy the spy fantasy. A strategy game? Yeah, it can, it can get... Oh, and and, and uh, before we started recording, uh, we were talking in our last episode that they're reviving Surviving Mars, the game. And uh, I was just mentioning to you that they had a whole update that added in, like, rival civilizations to that game, or competitors getting onto Mars. With it came an espionage system, but in, in that system, like, y you don't even need to play it. Now, I'm not saying those are the same developers, and, and I, I don't think it takes anything away from Surviving Mars, but to me, that's one of those examples of, like, like you said, it's a complex system. So adding like spying or espionage into a game, again, feels usually too complex and clicky to me or feels forgettable, like in Surviving Mars's case. This one, though, 
Uh, I like, I'm referencing a little bit ahead because we're going to do a 206 episode, but I was reading through a little bit of the, the dev's opinion on on where things are going to go or, or why some of the decisions were made. And it feels very much in line with that, like a cutting down on annoying factors and a playing up of the mystery and the exploration of a game, which I'm all about. That is kind of where this, yeah, that's kind of where this does excel. Because when Stellar, well, actually, this isn't just Stellaris, but when a game can sort of through abstraction create a lot of uh, player experience, like a player nuance that you're reading into it, that can be really good without creating something that's overly messy to, to work with. And that sounds kind of like what's, what's going on here, mm-hmm. where they're trying to set up a system where it's like you have specific things you can do, you know, like you can run operations against an empire, and you don't have to get into. You don't get really bogged down in the, I'm going to assign these characters to counterintelligence and just forget that they exist, yeah. but they're now chewed up, so I can't use them for other things. I, I don't know how other people feel. Again, email the show. Uh, hit me up on Twitter, too. But uh, I don't know how other people feel. I'm not a huge fan of civilization spying system either. And I'll be honest, I'm talking, I think, a little bit more, oh, it'd be early Civ Six or, or late Civ Five or something. But I just remember not being thrilled with it to the point that I can't even really remember the system, <laughs> um, which isn't good. I just remember it no. never really satisfying me. You want to say, okay, so civilization, like Civ's spying system, the one I remember is two. Or it was just dice rolls. Like you'd go, you take your diplomat or spy and you go over and you'd like enemy city, but it was just, it was a static dice roll against what you wanted to do. But yeah, there's a, that's another one that happens where it's like, okay, the entirety of the espionage system is just a dedicated unit. And then that unit has some other options. And yeah, that's not very, it's kind of neat, but it's not really engaging because if you've got a strategy that requires your spy to do something, it, it's not going to necessarily work and it could just delay you while you have to do it again. Or when it's used against you, it's just going to feel like, oh, hey, the game's screwing me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's actually that's, very well articulated. That's specific outcome. That's, actually, that's ironically my issue with a lot of stuff in Civ 4 because I came to that game late. And at that point, there were a lot of non-apparent loss mechanics or you know victory mechanics in there that the ai could use and it did have the feeling where it was just kind of like oh yeah by the way now you lose it's not that you've done anything that's not that there's a clear transitional path it's just like oh yep yeah i screwed with you in some way that's yeah that's but another problem i very much look forward to giving a review on this and as i look at a civ 6 page for for those that don't know I, I i used to do a whole podcast for like a year or so on civilization 6 and and that was a, a big to do uh it, I had a blast with it, but I fell out of love with the game as they kind of were slow to implement changes and things. It just wasn't for me. And I cannot remember again for the life of me if it was Civ 5 or 6, but I'm looking at these, uh, uh, the spy options, and I'm hoping, I I just remember whichever one I played and didn't like the spies, they felt so passive that I think you kind of touched on this a second ago. They almost, there wasn't, it didn't feel necessary or even possible to really thoroughly work them into your playthrough your player fantasy or, or however you want to look at it it just always felt like just, a task so i think five was still percentage-based chances for that I whatever i think is five i'm thinking of uh, let me just do a little civ, civ six spoiler but i see you can spawn zombies with your spies in there which is pretty cool i like i don't know but it's officially in the wiki so like it's not a mod um but anyway there you go everyone yeah, hey, we have a, zombies, too. Yeah, so. you have zombie armies now. This is great. Yeah. Uh, back to the actual changes that are coming through on this one, though. Uh, 
where to have that. Okay, they changed something up because it just seemed clunky. It says the way encryption, decryption, and counter espionage all interacted were one of the points of frequent confusion. So we decided to scrap counter espionage entirely. We renamed decryption to code breaking and apply standardized rules when using that. So encryption is now always used as espionage defense. So encryption is defense. And code breaking is always used as espionage offense. Encryption defense, code breaking offense. I didn't see or bother to read that that much into this system prior um, in general. Like, I again, I said, I, I wasn't really, it was cold news. So I didn't dive too deep into what the system was knowing it was going to change. I'm not someone that memorizes all these little micro numbers in the game either. I just warn everyone listening. Um, so I, I don't know exactly how big of a change that's going to be. If you follow the old notes or you got to play test any of this before, that's probably big, but I love the sound of chopping it down. Because that gets rid of that annoying factor I was worried about. Also, this is um, mistaken. I could be misremembering this. I think I remember somebody saying at some point that the, the enigmatic technology ascension perk would also make you more resistant to spy infiltration. Oh, hmm. I could be wrong about that. Like it would make sense if it's like, oh yeah, this is how technologically encrypted all your stuff is, and if somebody can't figure out how your tech works at all, that would certainly make it harder to break in but i think i remember somebody saying that that was a thing i just can't source it at all so it could have been speculation that could have been oh it would be cool if or that could have actually been in one of the dev diaries where it's like yeah this is this is something that's changing and i cannot for the life of me remember if that's actually a factor if that's just a suggestion mm, yeah that'll be interesting to see uh they also say in here as part of the streamlining we've removed the concept of spy power and bandwidth so it's no longer possible to run multiple simultaneous operations on a single empire simultaneously. You'll have to run them one at a time. That's per, fair. per empire, though, what it sounds like. So you could maybe run two, that's but with separate fair. empires. That's what it sounds like to me. Yeah, yeah that's what I'm getting to. Yeah. Um, I saw this, I thought they saw specifically that. Yeah, mm. multiple operations with single empire as opposed to multiple operations. Because if you could only run one operation at a time, they would just have said you could only run one operation at a time. Right, right, right. That's a very good point. Huh. <laughs> Although our reading into details has not always uh, helped us in the past. <laughs> Sometimes we read a little bit too much into that text. Um, that was me in a past episode or two, if anyone has a question, when I like zoned out in the middle of it for five minutes figuring out a quote. Uh, so again, more cutting down on things, balancing. I like it. I like it. It says this change this, also... Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Stark. Oh, no. If you're going to keep going with this for a sec, I was looking at the infiltration speed thing. Uh, yeah, yeah. It says this change also alleviates a problem we had where it wouldn't always be immediately perfectly clear which mission random events were affecting. So the mental burden of running operations is lower. Yes! Reduce the mental burden. That's what the game... That's what the computer is there for. Continue with your point. Okay, yeah. So this is one that... Um, it doesn't sound like a big thing, but it's going to be really interesting when you experience it live. Infiltration speed is scaled by the mo by a modifier based on the empire size. I don't know if that's just going to be like sprawl or if it's just going to be a size stat, but if you've got a larger empire or if you're, you're dealing with a larger empire, it's going to be easier to infiltrate them with spies. And conversely, if you're dealing with small empire, it's going to be harder because it's going to take longer... And um, this is coming from Aladrin, by the way, one of the uh, devs. Um, you'll be, they say you'll be able to recover from operations faster against a sprawling opponent. So 
it's creates a really interesting balance on empire size where the larger you get the more you conquer the more vulnerable to espionage you'll become and conversely like if you're going for a tall build at uh counter espionage or, or the ai trying to come after you with spies is probably not going to be nearly as much of a threat that's that's actually a really interesting balance choice there i really dig yeah i i think it makes a lot of sense too uh, I, I don't know if I mentioned this off the top of the show, but I managed to sink another like 10 or so hours into Stellaris the other day with friends. I was going to try not to play until around the 15th of April, but that didn't that didn't work. So we clocked a bunch, a bunch of hours in there and uh, we're looking at like where these systems are going to start fitting in these spy networks. And, and, I, and I was thinking with how large my empire usually is, this is going to really kick me where it hurts the most potentially, because uh, I am a guy that winds up taking up a quarter of whatever size of map you put me in. And that means that the AIs around me usually don't. And I'm hearing that if they're building taller, it's going to be harder to infiltrate them, but easier for them to infiltrate me wide. I don't know if there's going to be a defense, like if hive minds are going to be defense against espionage just because you're all of one mind. So who is that guy over there? But... Ooh, now that's a really good like player fantasy question. And if we have developers out there, anyone listening from uh, Paradox or Stellaris, I'd be really interested in that being a, a topic of discussion the future of the game uh, it does not make sense all those missions like when sometimes the quest text has been updated so that it it happens okay there's even like little incons uh, inconsistencies between like leviathan missions and all that when you're recovering derelict stuff or, or getting captains to join you like one of the captains he can neural interface with the hive, but other people can't. And so we have to like destroy them or something. So quest outcomes don't really fit. And um, this being a quest kind of thing, the spy network. Uh, yeah, it wouldn't it, you'd think it would be easy to detect the non drone. Don't know. At least it's, it's never at the level of the, um, I don't know if you remember this from Star Trek with the patrol, the sector patrols like the cluster patrol missions where it would randomly generate. And then you get stuff like the Borg trying to uh, send in an overseer to pacify the population. And you're like, what? Oh my gosh. Pacify <laughs> them. Uh, <sighs> Star Trek. I love it. So <laughs> yeah, that's true though. Uh, what else we got here? Speaking of first contact update. Great segue. So first <clears throat> contact, uh, early hostilities, can now lead to pre-contact conflicts as well. If you anger a neighboring alien civilization, there's a chance that they will come and visit you with a subnote saying more aggressive empires like fanatic purifiers or devouring swarms are also less likely to take your encroachment into their lands very kindly early on. Meaning, do not so piss is, them off. This is a really cool fantasy element, like a, a sort of you know, your fantasy of a sci-fi empire in, in science fiction epic story. Because uh, first contact wars are all over the place yeah. in sci-fi in a variety of forms, and it has always been a little weird that Stellaris doesn't didn't have a system that just sort of led naturally into one if you weren't careful. Uh, that's that's actually really cool. It's a really nice piece of world building. I like the idea that over time you get a, a better grasp of who they are. And I believe it might be from 206. It might be from 205 and I just didn't pull the quote. But the comparison here is it's going to be running on a system similar to the uh, excavation system. So you'll progress through various stages of your first contact narrative with new factions, which I think like that's a really neat sort of injecting a narrative into the game 
like a, a systemically generated narrative movie. Oh, that's gonna be cool. I so I agree with you. I, I love the idea of these first contact wars. That is a huge part of sci-fi, like you just said. And I am, again, skimming ahead here just a bit, but from 206, this was one of the ones that was hammered home. The developer had a quote in here, something, uh, let me see if I can find it. It was really close to where I am. But they basically said they always disliked how it was too easy to roll up on an empire and know everything about them. It just felt semi-artificial and forced. But now it's going to really double down on the exploration of the galaxy. Uh, yeah, here they say, I never liked how you'd find out so much about another alien empire as soon as you establish communication with them. I wanted alien empires to feel more mysterious. And just as you explore the galaxy, you have to explore these alien empires to learn more about them. Teaser from next for next week or whenever we release that. But that I'm I'm a fan. I like the direction. I like the concept that they have in mind. What else we got to drop so, on people? Pop rework? Yeah, this is probably like on one hand, this is the least interesting thing because it's just like, oh, the numbers are getting changed. This is also the one that I'm actually kind of the most excited for because my PC is a dinosaur. Not going to lie. Same. Like I'm with you about the wanting this most. Because one of the primary goals with pop with the pop rework is just to reduce the game's footprint, you know, system resource footprint. Um, make it easier to calculate, make it easier to run the simulations on the population. And I'm really looking forward to that just straight up from a performance standpoint. Like so it's great. the description was it's supposed to, it's you know, like, like in design, it should make it harder to snowball with pops and it should make it a little harder to just sort of steamroll across things. But the big thing here is just being able to have better performance. It is a real catch 22, like I'm finding most games have. Um, Stellaris's catch 22 is that it is a game that you often want to spend a lot of time in, but it is one that gets progressively chonkier as it goes along and much, much harder for the computer to process the turns. They just, it, it actually bottlenecks the game, not the computer. And Pops, they've said through some developer diaries, they believe that to be one of the largest reasons. And as you were saying about the snowballing effect, right? Pops are, spoiler alert, Pops are the way to beat Stellaris. Like if you have more pops, you are better. That's, that's the, that is the, I think, end of day mechanic for the most part. There's probably little ways around that, but generally speaking, the more pops you have and they're employed and healthy and happy, the better, more powerful your empire is because that's more workers outputting more alloy. You do have some slowdown factors, like we said with the espionage, you know, that might cause a thing, but on a larger scale, we're talking that I often get to games where my empire has 10,000 people. Often five, five to seven, but I've gotten up to 10 before. And that is not healthy for the game because I'm sitting there going, oh my God, like I love the alloys, but I hate that I'm making this game worse for my friends that are sitting here kind of waiting on the process. It, it just, I apologize everyone. I cut the audio there for a sec to check on a sound. Um, but yeah, so I don't like people waiting around having to wait as the turns process. It's a lot. Stark, you just asked me a question too, before I paused it. Um, thoughts on this population moving around stuff because they're adding in some of those transit hubs is that right the transit hubs so my understanding is that primarily now uh moving pops around is going to be handled uh by the simulation itself rather than player moving around and the transit hubs supposed to increase the frequency of that but i could be missing one of those details Oh, wait, so it's going to auto move all your people and the transit hub's only going to make it easier? Yeah, that was my understanding. Like that would increase the speed or increase the, 
it sounded like it increased the proc chance for them to decide to move. Oh, okay. I do not know. Then if, if that is the current understanding, then I misunderstood because I, 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 do, I like your answer better, I think. What I thought it to be was that your planets that have a star base with that transit hub would allow that planet to auto move people around. And I'm not a fan of that solution because that would imply that you have to have a transit hub on every single planet that you want people to auto move from. So if yours, if you're saying everyone's going to auto move and it's a, 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 like a, an expediting of that, I'm more of a fan of that one. That's my understanding. But again, this is a system where I, they've talked about it and then they've said, yeah, we've revised the system. And uh. that was the description that it would be a, a 100% chance modifier for them to move, which implies that there was already a yeah. you know, plus 100% chance, which implies that they're modifying an existing chance that's already there. Like if there's a 10% chance, then a plus 100 would be Ooh. there's 20% chance for them to move on their own. Um, that's cool. And anything that makes pop movement something I don't have to worry about is great. Uh, that was already a thing too. Like pops would move around sometimes. So if the entire purpose of the uh, transit hub is just to increase the chances of them moving around, that's great. I'm not sure. Yeah, I admit, I, I don't understand how they move in the game unless you have one of the toggleables on, primarily through the council where it tells your people that are unemployed to automatically move. Uh, I, that is one of those... I think that's actually part of it normally, too. Like, if a pop is unemployed, because I've seen this happen mm. a few times, where it's like, you'll have some unemployed pops on a planet, and then you go back a little bit later, and it's like, oops, they're gone, and then realize that they've moved to another planet. Like, it's easier to see it early game when you've only got two or three planets as opposed to later game when you've yeah. got 50, which just kind of vanish. But, yeah, it's... That's very interesting. I, I do not know that one well enough, uh, but it is a... It is a definite thing. I really hope, because this was all about supposed to making life easier, I, I'm really hoping that this is going to do that. The The transit hub idea I explained to you a second ago, I do not believe fixes the problem of making it easier. Honestly, I would say it makes it it makes it makes harder, um, the one I described. Not, maybe not harder, but it would make it, ooh, you'd really have to plan for it. I wish it were more like one star base per sector or something maybe could do it, but... I'm going to hold judgment until I actually play with it. Moving on. So got, yeah. What do you want to talk about next? Industrial. We've got some dust industrial districts. These are good. Do you want to talk yeah, about some of this, these briefly? Ironically, this is one of the things I'm least excited about. It's just kind oh. of, this will be nice for the AI. Yeah. Right? Um, from a player perspective, it's it doesn't really matter that much because it's like, okay, well, instead of having to build alloy refinement and instead of having to build... Uh, structures to produce your consumer goods it'll just be okay there's a district that does that now and the normal jobs in that district will produce those resources and those are basic resources to play the game mm -hmm. so it makes sense to streamline that down into a district um i'm not opposed to it i'm not really excited by it because it's just kind of okay this is this is okay but it should help the ai sort out what it's doing which is always a plus very right there. Also, small thought, because um, I, I play a mod that has, oh, yeah, I play a couple mods that let you build alloy refineries in a district form instead of a building. And the one very small quality of life feature is that you can mass build them by just pressing the B button when you click on that slot, uh, which, again, if you're like me and you're kind of carpal tunnel-y already, you're, you, you're going to enjoy not having to, like, I want to say if you're going to build one alloy factory, you got to click on the thing then it opens up the sub menu you got to go over to the right click it again then it goes into the build queue 
And it's like this whole thing where you can just mash that button and build like have it queue up five, you know, things for you the other way. It, it really genuinely will add up over time. So as for starting to hotkey out the game, um, it's not perfect by any stretch, but this is a move in that direction as well. And also something I not think about it, I don't really deal with because a lot of the times I'm playing solo. So I just pause and then I, I do all my build planning and then I go back. To yeah. Yeah. From a live perspective, when you're in multiplayer, that that's definitely a consideration. Yeah, it's just not the, it's not a it's not a friendly game when you've been playing for hours and your hands start to ache. I, I mean, I guess it should be a sign that I should like go outside and have a life. But uh, I feel Which, like podcasting about Solaris could be my life. So revelatornetwork.com, everyone. Uh, please remember to stretch. Like you know, like when you're when you think like just get your arms out there, get your get the tension. Make sure you, you're avoiding stressing it the way you been stressing it. don't yeah see everyone do what stark says not what i do that's how we always roll with it uh the last update for today is also one of the most important for me as a power player of the game the outliner update i am so looking forward to this because i would argue that the outliner is there are two i do not mean to insult paradox staff at all but there are two parts of the ui that i would consider like major faux pas number one is that the technology is not hotkeyed because that's one of the most clickable things in the game. The second is that this outliner is not only not functional, but it actually conflicts with a tutorial for the game because those two things can't be on the screen at the same time. So this outliner, mm. bless its little heart, I would trade you for pretty much anything. So they are implementing some updates that I'm actually really amped about. The biggest is the ability to choose what order things are in. Because, again, talking about the kind of useless nature of it, there are elements in that outliner that I do not care to see. I don't care if they're still in my empire or not. We could just jettison them out the airlock. But they're closer to the top of the list than, like, the Navy fleets, for example. And that, to me, isn't great. For example, star bases go above fleets. And you just don't click them like that that much. And then who hotkeys your fleets? and st like, That's actually kind of a valid question, too. Who hotkeys your fleets in Stellaris? Me. Because that is theoretically a solution. But I Oh, my gosh. You were actually... Okay, yes, me. I actually do this. So I use all of my fleet hotkeys because I usually roll with, like, stupid amounts of fleets. So I do. I, I think you can only hotkey... Oh, you can hotkey 10 fleets, which is not enough. I need yeah, to hotkey, like, 20, genuinely. Usually 15 would be my happy spot. It'd be nice if there was just an access tray down there. That would be... That would... Just be able to put stuff you want down there and, and have it permanently locked on the UI while you're playing. My other big suggestion when it comes to this outliner sort of thing would be to the developers... Look at how Apple does notifications on the desktop with their little banners that pop up on the right-hand side. I think this game would benefit from a banner sort of thing where stuff can wait for you in a corner in a semi-minimized way. Civ does this a lot, really effectively. Stellaris, eh, it's kind of got a banner tray up on the top left-hand side. Um, near your resources and all that like all those little pop-ups but that's not the same banner tray we need i'd like one that has directly toggleable buttons like to say yes or no to a mission right from like a minimized thing because again I, I might sound crazy it might be sound like i'm trying to hide parts of this game but when you start playing stellaris for a couple hours at a time you are dealing with thousands of pop-ups of just like research research artifacts you know yeah, Sorry, I mean, multi, multi 
multiplayer does make it a thing. But I, I even in single player, I often play on fast and don't pause that much. So yeah, because I was, I was remembering that that was a design thing back with I think it was Civ Five where they're talking about like for a multiplayer focus, you get the information to be as quickly accessible and succinct as possible, and then for the most part, want to push it to the edges of the screen so that mm-hmm. it's it's easy to see, easy to read, and respond to without getting in the way of what you're doing. Whereas in single player, it's fine to just put the pop up across the screen and say, hey, read this. Well, you know what? You're probably I think what you just said is a lot more accessible in in single player. There are times, though, and this is, again, back to the the, the negatives of the UI. Sorry, gang, but I'm calling these out because I truly think if these could be nuked, it would just make the player experience that much better. You cannot minimize all of the pop-ups that happen. Even if you are paused, there are times where you'll be dealing with multiple things at once. Here's a specific issue that will happen to me. Uh, Sometimes I'll be in like the species template editor sort of thing, and you get a science like pop-up. You know, Joe Blow discovered there's aliens crawling out of his butt. And, you know, he wants you to decide what to do about that. And I'm like, personal issue buddy but hold on i'm in the middle of retrofitting our entire species so we don't have butts anymore so anyway the the ui's (laughs) conflict with one another and i can't i literally like if i leave the one screen all the changes i made could be gone because it won't save them so there are definitely times imagine everyone probably knows that hyacinth mission you get right away where it's like we're going to go discover them and it gives you an option it's like yes or you can decline it if that mission popped up in the sidebar kind of thing. It's like a rectangular banner that slides in and kind of gives you that flavor text there. Maybe, you know, you can obviously click it to expand it and get more, but if it came with options like, you know, option A or option B and you could just click them from that menu, uh, that would be a lot easier than having to like deal with this large screen obstruction, I guess. Call me, call me. I'll draw it for you guys. The key thing there too, because I wasn't thinking about that, but yeah, because I'll go into the fleet editor or the uh, ship editor or oh, species one. editor, but I'll pause when I'm doing that because again, single player. So I'll just go in and mess wow. around with that while nothing's happening. So yeah, I don't get in the situation where I'm doing this and then it's like, oh yeah, we discovered this coffee can flying around a star. Do you want to take a look at it? I'm, like, I'm building the, an empire. What? <laughs> yeah. Do you want me to look at this can? What's in here? So yeah, that that makes sense too because it, it goes back to the difference between when you're messing around with it in single player versus when you're messing around with it in multiplayer, where these are less likely to pop up, mm-hmm. or if they are, it's you've made the decision to let the game run in the background while you're tinkering with something. Now you are very right there, and I, I, I'm sure this is kind of sixes on people's play style, but so I am the sort of person that if I'm playing single player Stellaris, which is extremely rare. I do go at kind of a faster, let's be honest, I run it fastest and, until stuff happens and then I'm dealing with it all because I'm trying to get growth quickly so that I can then pay more attention to other stuff late game. And um, so while it's all happening, I do try and go into my fleet builder here and there to sneak in quick changes that I don't feel like I want to like lose. I don't want to lose the game's progression versus real life minutes. And so, yeah. you know, I'm trying to let small things happen. A good example of this is like when you're in a point of a game where you're waiting for a mega structure to build and you're kind of twiddling your thumbs and you're like, okay, speed this baby up. I'll go in there and, you know, moments like that, especially I'll be working on it. But those pop-ups do prevent you from doing things, like I said. So I think that would be really fun to, to get that stuff bumped aside. And, and, and I'm glad we had this little conversation. I, I want to make sure to call out a couple last things for this outliner before we're out of time. But uh, in here... 
You're going to be able to change the icons of the planet, which is wonderful. Uh, that what is are you doing with that world. Say again, Stark. You know, you can finally see what you're doing with that world stuff. And to remember what you're doing with 200 different planets. That's yes. Great. It says planets will be reordered within the sector listing or planet listing, depending on which options, which option is active. So let's see. There's a planet yeah, so reorder. Either, yeah. So it can either sort them. It can either uh, categorize them just as planets or it can categorize them by the sector they're in. Yes. I usually keep it categorized by sector because it's a little bit more convenient to figure out where something is. But with this change, I could definitely see. Actually, can we set it to sort planets in a single lump right now? Or is that that's new, isn't it? Planets in a single lump? I don't believe so. Right now, you're kind of stuck with having to list them in their, sec their relative sectors. Yes, I, I, I believe that is correct. Yeah, right now... They, if you, yeah, they, they, the game lumps them into a frontier section if they're outside of your first one. So let's say you never built one past your capital. Um, that would yeah, all be stuck in that one big frontier list. And then, like you're saying, mm -hmm. as you add sectors, it'll auto clump the next like three or four systems or whatever. And then mm -hmm. you're stuck. Yeah. Uh, the sector rules are, I think it's three or four jumps. I'd have to, I'd have to fire up the game and, and double check which. Is, but like away from the capital planet of that sector will mm -hmm. get lumped into that sector. Yep. It's um, a little unfortunate. This was a change from a system where we could manually define our sectors and the game would kind of auto-design them if we didn't mess with it. I, I do miss the ability to specifically tweak what was in out of a sector. It was it was fiddly, oh. but it did let you get some really nice tuning. Did you have like um, the entirety, uh, like oh, meaning did you not have a limit on range to the sectors then, how big they were? range um i think it might have been the same limit too i think it might have been four because you the can tweak which change, sector for which planet falls in if it's on the border if it's on the border yeah but like being yeah. able to say okay i'm gonna put these three planets in this sector but one of them is actually fairly close to another sector it can get messy yeah i'm not exactly sure uh, and i mean i again i'd be up for like a big tweak on that too if they want to if you guys want to drop any edits to that i'm all ears and uh, it says with these two options, it's now possible to tell all, oh, sorry, to list all your planets as you wish and to show the design or designation icons. Our product manager, Simon, can now finally list his mining 01, 02, 03 planets in the correct <laughs> and fanatically organized order. <gasps> Simon, if you're out there listening, I already love you because I do the same thing. Uh, I put them in all caps, though, because I need to be able to see them from the rest of the planets because... Mine are like mining oh one, and then the next one I always butcher the name, so it's like different. But it's mining. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right, I spell it wrong or whatever. And but now, see, here's the difference. Right now, that naming convention to me, I, I've already kind of diagnosed my play style a bit. I mentioned that I make it big, the title, so I can see it. What that tells me is that means that my planets are not grouped how my brain wants them to be because I, what I'm seeing of myself is, yeah, it would be very helpful to have all my mining in one chunk, all my energy in one chunk, all my alloy planets in one chunk, and having those be separate ones, uh, yeah, I wouldn't have to spend as much time. There's a lot of time and a bad amount of time, a negative amount spent on going up and down this list, like too much so this this, this is, is good um the one warning we do have is you can't remove planets from the outliner um without you know getting rid of the planet itself <gasps> which so is like a cheeky the, yeah with the discussion on the forum somebody was like so can we do this and they're like well you can do it with a planet cracker crack away baby 
blow the thing to, to debris. It's like, yep, it's no longer on your planet list. That being said, um, that would be a good feature to have. I don't know exactly. I mean, I'm sure I could picture different circumstances for why. If, if you can move different planets down the list, though, what I'm hoping for and cannot guarantee, but what I'm what I'm expecting, wrongfully or not, is that we will be able to move some of the planets into a different order on the list. So hopefully we could have our capital near the top and then dumb planets near the bottom of the entire outliner. Yeah, that was that was the thing where it was like you can move them around on the list. And it's going to yeah, let you, you do- break those ones up, though, too, right? The actual... Oh, but here's my question. I don't know if that's true, Stark. So look at that second picture they have. You can move the entire, like a planet's menu up or down, but it doesn't look like you could move planets within that menu. Am I making sense? You are. Because I'd Uh, like to keep my capital. Okay, this is a decent one. Let's say my capital and its next two worlds are always going to be the best because that's how it usually works. I'd want them at the top of my whole outliner, potentially. You know what the answer to this is? Kind of, sort of, maybe. Put your planets to the lower part of the outliner. That way the dumb dead ones are going to be at the very, very bottom. And then you can have your other better planets probably towards the top of that section, I guess. Wait, can't... Oh. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, this is the visual part of the podcast, everyone. Oh, I know. It's like, yeah, I'm staring at a thing. I'm like, hmm. Like, <laughs> you know, we're just hoping it's normal. Okay. I, yeah, I think you can move your... Okay, it looks like you can move your fleets around at least. Like you can move yes. those up to the top of liner options. I was under the impression you could move stuff around, like move the planets around specifically or move stuff around in the sectors. But I think you're right. I think those might be fixed in place. So you can. okay. so here's what I I, one further on that. So, yes, what you just said is true. You can move the planets with you can move individual planets within the planet list, but Mm -hmm. it does not look like, as you said, you can't get rid of them off of the list and Mm -hmm. you can't separate your planet list into two planet lists yeah like useful and then forgettable sort of useful and then why won't you leave well because some people i'm not of this play style but some people like to cap a planet like they make it perfect and then they put it in the closet basically and don't look you know they want to ignore it because it's like not going to populate they have no one growing on it like it's it's self-sustaining for people like that it would be really useful to have a secondary planet let's be able to split it and throw those to the bottom of this outliner but you know what this whole conversation actually means that this outliner should at least be split into one or two different things looks like yeah it's asking for too much it covers we have this in front of us folks it has planets sectors branch offices shipyards star bases military fleets civilian ships armies observation posts disabled alerts and factions that was more than the fingers i had i had to use a toe in there so that makes it 11. yeah the one above that in the outliner um it looks like there's just straight up pre-sorting options also which is nice it's like around and you can just sort them by distance by name by population planet class destination that's nice yeah that's, that's lovely that's going to cut down on the amount of micromanaging too it's just like oh hey i've got all this stuff i'm just going okay not sorted the way i want oh that's good. sorting your popular or your planets by population size that is going to be so helpful now Here's a question, though, I've got, and I, I asked this to the team right away. Is this something, because this looks like it's in a sub-menu, 
uh, it seems like that sorting of planets might be something we want buttons to do a little quicker from maybe the top of the outline or the top of the planet section in there. I'm just looking at it because that's cute and all. I like the sub menu, but for some of those hot sort options, power players are going to be moving them around. I could see me flipping between pops and the named planets pretty regularly, like once yeah. every five to 10 minutes IRL, because in that time, I might want to know like where who's my big planets that need dealt with. And then I would be going and looking like who's the small planets that are growing. Okay, now I want to sort them by name right now because I need to find my mining planets or sort them by designation even because that's a sort option too. Huh. I'd be like, I need to fix all my farm planets. And so I turn on the agriculture. I hope this okay, is useful so feedback. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say like I was looking at this and it's like without further information on how you access it, um, just based on the lack of any visible control i'm willing to bet that you bring up the planet reordering configuration either by clicking on the sector icon ahead of the sector name yep or by just right clicking on the sector oh yeah, right clicking no, yeah, could be clicking. nice yeah i was like wait is right clicking the way you collapse and expand it no that's left click that is so left yeah, click. It would be, yeah so you right click to so it could go either way like it could be very easy to pull this thing up the other thing i noticed down here is that the uh on the outliner options there's specific things for whether it will show sectors uh with, whether it will show all sectors or whether it will just show specific sectors and then also whether it will use the colonies designation for the icons on the world mm, yeah passively kick over you don't need to like okay well this is a garden or you know like, this is this is agriculture this is an ecumenopoli this is like you can just it'll just be well uh, hey for a fact i know i can host an entire episode just on the outliner as i've learned today i'm that spicy about it um uh, it is the most useful thing in the game but also one of the most arduous so like i said 11 things under that list that's the same list you're looking at that has those little toggles there um yeah i feel like that's a heck of a lot I, I I think I like what you alluded to earlier that maybe military fleet should take up a whole other spot like to like the bottom left of the screen or something because that's where those mm -hmm. little things go anyway. So maybe having your fleets like in a corner there would be better. But mm, I think this is going to make life a ton easier. Yeah, I think so too. I would ask if possible, big if, make this menu hyper available to modders. Because I would love to see them go crazy with it. And I've not seen that, which makes me think that they don't have the tools for it. So that'd be big. The other one, and I don't think we have any answer on this yet, Stark. I, I don't know if this comes through any mods or anything. But um, I'd like to be able to click on the shipyard directly through there. And like at least trigger it to upgrade or something like that directly from that sidebar. I think there are some things in that outliner that could be made like easy buttons, quick buttons. You bring it up and then you've got to tinker with it. Right. There's some. And what the biggest one I would recommend, and this is a more of a modded issue again, so hence why I would like that mod toolbar to be usable. I'd like to see mega structures be upgradable directly from the sidebar. Just because checking on your Dyson Sphere in stages doesn't really do that much. Um, to be able to check it off on the side or something would be nice. Starbase the same way. Just all the stuff right now, you have to zoom into it. But I, I think I'm done. I'm sorry. I, I nitpicked, but God, I love this game so much. And I'm planning on dropping another four hours into it this evening. So uh, any last <laughs> thoughts you really want to get to in this one, Stark? Now, there was a there wasn't one sort of amusing quote. And this is something we've warned people about in the past where it's like, 
when Solaris gets these massive updates like this, your old say your old campaigns are going to be basically unplayable or completely impossible to load. And we got a comment from QA regarding this, where this was on the forums. Um, you'll run into a couple of issues, like taking a, a previous save into this. Um, but there are a couple of issues as no one in the galaxy will have industrial districts to produce alloys. But if you want to use console commands to fix every empire in the galaxy, the save should load. I wouldn't recommend this, though. So that's um, they post as Alfre Strike uh, on the forums. I'm a little surprised, actually. Like, I would have assumed with that change and also with the pops change, like that it would not be possible to load in the old save at all. Like, yeah, it been a, I think it'll to- uh, like expect it to break the entire game. Mm-hmm. And to be fair, like if you're if you're still running through a long running campaign, you probably want to wrap that up sooner than later. Uh, that yeah, is so the nice thing with the foresight. You can start wrapping your stuff up now. You do have. I mean, we're recording this on the thirtieth. You're not going to get it for maybe a day or so. But uh, people got about two weeks to wrap their stuff up. Also, a good shout out that you could spend this time uh, trying and experimenting with some stuff that you've never played with before especially if you're expecting it not to like go through. The one thing I'll warn with that note though, if you are looking at experimenting, just remember you're not going to probably pick up that many useful things right before this update. Like everything you get is going to have a high probability of not playing the same, you know, once that actual patch launches this population retweak, like you said, Stark expecting big changes to help us on the computer side, but that may I think that might be one of the largest curveballs in my direction for how I play because I'm a pop hoarder. So that mm-hmm. could be that could be night and day. I have no idea. Um, kind of the same with the first contact protocols. That's definitely that and the espionage are really going to change the way that we operate in the early game. And then you drop the whole council change in the late game and bada bing, bada boom. Um, big shout out this oh, week. Yeah, go ahead, Stark. There was something where um, I didn't actually note it in the log, but mm-hmm. um, in the notes, but somebody did notice in a dev stream that there was an option to select your crisis. So to select which crisis would execute when you're setting up your galaxy to begin with. Um, I don't think I've seen that mentioned as an official update change. Um, it could just be that that's something that exists on the internal dev system and you know, the internal dev build specifically for troubleshooting rather than something that's, going to be going live but if that's a live change that'll be kind of nice because it will let you you know pick if you want a specific crisis to pop out either because you're chasing an achievement or because you just want to you know get a specific outcome i love it i'm, I'm excited i want to see how this all works out uh this stuff's going to be really good uh i i, I want to say shout out at the end go get into our gilded group again that's like a discord but on steroids is how my one friend described it because it is it is discord but advanced in so many ways when it comes to channels and interactability and all that stuff. Um, it functions almost similar to like a Google Drive tie-in. You've got cool checklists and all kinds of stuff. Um, all these wonderful rooms to hang out in kind of auto-populated for you. So we're at gilded.gg forward slash RPN for Revelator Podcast Network. Uh, we have a Stolaris emergency broadcast room set up there. Got a friend who is in there. She's just starting to play the game. So if we have friends that are like looking to play, uh, that could be a great way to meet a good-hearted Stellaris group. Uh, we have really good standards about who we allow into our community in terms of like, you know, no bigotry of any kind. None of that's uh, tolerated even for a half a second. So 
it's a really safe group. No one's going to make fun of you for your play style. If you're someone that's learning or new, we always like to give people, you know, tips and tricks. Um, that's what's going on in there right now is they're sharing videos back and forth on like what's a good tactic to learn how to play Stolars. I know we have um, that big that big five star review. I think it was Anubis's dropped uh, some compliments. Stark saying in particular your breakdown of that uh, all the which ones to buy that we did that that was super useful to them. So big kudos. Um, that was re really really well received to everyone out there. If you want to leave us a review. Much appreciated. Check out Podchaser. If you're not an Apple user, you can go over to podchaser.com and uh, give your review there. If you are an Apple user, you can whip open the Apple uh, podcast app. If you're on any of the others, you're welcome to, too, if they actually have a review system. We're on Audible and Amazon these days, so Amazon Music and Audible players. We could definitely use some five-star reviews over there if you want to drop them. And if you do that, I'm going to try and grab some for the website so I can do some sort of like rotating slider of uh, testimonial sort of things, reviews, and uh, I've been having a blast with this, Stark. I would lie to the folks out there and say that we have a schedule. But as we are reactive to the Stellaris news cycle <laughs> leading up to the Nemesis launch, I make no promises because we might be back next week if your schedule allows. What do you think? Yeah, probably will. Probably. Where can they find you, Stark? You got what? HowToFightRight.com? What's going on over there? Um, Got a post coming up. Actually couple hours after uh, we record this. So that's going to be up by the time you get there. And yeah, continuing to churn out content. There's been a little bit of disruption on getting articles up, but mostly I'm just providing writing advice and specifically with an eye towards violence and how to work with violence in your writing. So definitely right on brand with this. <laughs> it is. Hey, we're, we're always into some sort of space fight. So um, I love bringing these, these ideas and concepts together. And then you're also over on Twitter too. Yeah, as Michael J. Schwartz. He's got his Twitter. He's got the How to Fight Right. You can find all this stuff in the About section of the website, revelatornetwork.com. I'm over on Twitter at Kyle Paranormal. So basically, where you can find me everywhere. There's a Twitch that I haven't been streaming on. Um, but most importantly, get your butt into the Gilded groups so with people to chat with and um, fun times to be had because. Uh, I'm just in love with this game and I'm going to be sinking thousands of hours into it. So literally, if you want to find me, like you're going to need to go in there and like send me a lifeline or something because 20 hours later into Nemesis and I, I don't know how much of humanity will be left in me, Stark. I'll just be <laughs> full on cyberized at the PC. So send help while you can and uh, we'll talk to you next week, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. This is going to be a wild ride for Stellaris uh, Nemesis chapter. So uh, cannot, cannot wait. Talk to you all soon. Stay safe. Bye-bye.